0: Good evening to all of you. Many years ago, when we were living in Kansas City, Missouri, a little girl, a daughter, here we are, two boys, my wife, myself, my little girl, got sick. And we did not know what the problem was. But she kept on coughing and coughing and coughing. And a well-meaning person uh, suggested a certain potion of a tea that she could take that would take care of the problem and so trusting that he knew what he was talking about we uh, gave some of the tea to our daughter which made her uh, just heave and cough even more so we know that was not the remedy finally we took it to her doctor and the doctor just simply prescribed some medicine for her and we kept on giving him medicine an antibiotic but she kept on getting worse and worse and worse and we became very concerned because our daughter was getting weaker and weaker and coughing and finally we took her to another physician who actually did the uh, test sputum test to find out what was affecting her and he happened to graduate from a school that Dr. Hersher graduated from and he then prescribed the correct medicine and that brought our little girl out of the crises she was into and so it's important to get the right medicine what do you say It is terrible when you get the wrong medicine, what do you say? How many of you have gotten wrong medicine at some point? I see too many hands. And um, sometimes the wrong medicine can be fatal. Or the wrong procedure. A little girl was uh, in need of a transplant, organ transplant. In the same hospital that my brother-in-law went to to get a valve replaced in his heart Uh, unfortunately they did the wrong procedure on my brother-in-law he passed away with the little girl in the same hospital uh, they performed the transplant only to discover after doing the transplant that they took out the wrong organ And unfortunately, they tried to do everything possible to save her life by sending out an SOS all over the country to be able to find the right organ. But by the time they found the right organ, the, the little girl passed away. Now, I, I think that when it comes to those kind of situations, you and I recognize that. It is absolutely essential to get the right medicine. Let's pray together as we study. Father, as we study your holy word, we pray that you'll help us to understand the importance of getting the right spiritual medicine and avoiding the wrong one. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we are studying the subject of the antichrist and the bible gives us a warning in revelation chapter 14 and verse 7 through 10. and in that particular chapter it comes after chapter 13. now by now you know that when i say it comes after 13 there must be some connection yes and so the reason why it's important to understand the connection is because after Going over chapter 13, chapter 14 actually pronounces the verdict on those that, that who do not heed the warning of chapter 13. And so it says in chapter 14, verse 7 and through 10, saying with a loud voice, what kind of voice? Loud voice, which means pay attention. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth, and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon, Babylon has fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And what is there is of much, much concern to heaven. Otherwise, God would not be pronouncing such a stern warning in chapter 14. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a voice of mercy, and I'll explain more about that later on. But the reason why Paul, pardon me, while John, the Revelator, is writing what God inspired him to write is because earlier before, earlier before, uh, because Revelation was written in about 96 A.D. The writings of Paul were written before that, about 50-something A.D., which means then that about 30 or 40 years prior to that, something had already been taking place within the faith of Christianity. And uh, here's what Paul writes. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto what? Unto what? Another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Obviously, Paul knew that the gospel had power to bring salvation. Do you remember that? In Romans one sixteen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to them that believe. And so, Paul says then that there are people bring about another gospel. And then he says, but though we, or what, an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that, you have, that we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preached another gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. This is a strong denunciation upon that which was purported to be a gospel. Obviously, though it was called a gospel by people, Paul recognized it. Not as the gospel, but as something that was perverted from the true gospel. Do you understand? Which means then that as far as the Bible is concerned, there is only one gospel that saves. How many? One gospel that saves. Now, the reason why this warning is going on is because the Bible reveals that there would be other types of teachings that would come around. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God. I think you recognize that there are people today, there is even a whole denomination, that when it comes to Christ, they do not believe that Christ actually was God who became flesh. They try to make Jesus a small God. What kind of God? A small God. And that would create problems. Because the Bible says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. Then it says, and this is that spirit of what? Antichrist. Now I should pause here and help you to understand that the word anti does not mean against. Anti means in the place of. There is a great difference. You can be against somebody. Or you can try to take their place and remove them, which is more severe. Which is worse. I have people who don't like me. That means that they're against me, correct? But they haven't done anything to me, so I'm still okay. But there are people who might want to remove me completely. And that's more serious. And so with Christ, There were people who were against Christ, but he was more concerned with the people who would try to substitute him. Because by substituting him, the devil could bring more damage to more people than just getting rid of somebody. So, Paul and John write, that the Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. I think perhaps some of you have heard along the way that there are people come up with what they think is an Antichrist. Uh, I remember when the President Reagan was alive, there were some people who would say that he was the Antichrist. Then there's a big computer in Washington D.C. that people think that that's the beast. The what? The beast. And uh, in Canada they, they had a folder that said learn all about sin. And then they had 666 in that folder. But all it was was learn all about social insurance number. But when you folded it. It it simply said, learn all about S-I-N, sin. I have come across all sorts of people who who have all sorts of ideas about what the beast is and who the Antichrist is, etc. But I want you to notice something very interesting in this verse. This verse makes it plain that Antichrist was beginning when? A long time ago. Do you see that? It says and even now already is it in the world. So we're speaking about First John, and John the Beloved is the one that wrote this particular epistle. So the whole Antichrist movement was already on its move way back after Jesus had resurrected and gone to heaven and had left the disciples on the earth to preach the gospel, and as they were preaching the gospel, there are other movements that came about to subvert what the apostles were doing and try to insinuate a different type of gospel that was supposed to be that which saved, but in reality, only one gospel saves. How many? Only one gospel saves. So, it says, who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So this is a supplanter. A what? A supplanter. Can you see why I said that the word anti-Christ means in the place of Christ? And so the, the whole matter is revealed in chapter 13. So we started in chapter 14, and now we come a little bit back to see how 13 fits into this picture according to the scriptures in Revelation chapter 13 the Bible reveals that there is a beast that comes up out of the sea and uh, it says that it has seven heads ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his head the name of blasphemy obviously none of us have ever seen that kind of a beast on earth not even the the uh, atheists or the evolutionists have been able to come up with this kind of beast. It's only found in the Bible. It's interesting. In other words, no one has ever come up with a skeleton that has seven heads. Correct? So this has to be prophetic in nature, which is symbolic. And the, the Bible says that it has the mouth of a lion, it has the feet of a bear, and it has the body of a leopard. So this is a composite beast made up of different beasts. Can you see that? If you look at verse 2, it is like a leopard. His feet are as the feet of a bear. His mouth as the mouth of a lion. And then it says the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And we know that the dragon is who? Is the devil. Because in chapter 12. The chapter before chapter 13, it says in verse 9, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. So what it's showing us then is that this beast power that is a combination or an amalgamation or a composite of different beasts, and it is guided by a power from beneath or the the devil himself. It also describes that this beast uh, has a a wound that he receives unto death. Um, And then it says that the the wound is healed, verse 3. Verse 4 says, and they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemy. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So it tells you that he speaks blasphemy, which this cannot be an animal, because animals don't speak. So it speaks blasphemy, and we'll discuss what blasphemy means later on. Then it says that he would be able to go for forty and two months. How long? Forty and two months. So it gives the period of time that he would be able to do what he's doing and verse 6 says he opens up his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name so you notice now several times it mentions the fact that this power is really against who against God the whole attack is against God Then it says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So let's consider a few things. We know that that particular beast that comes up out of the earth is not spoken of any longer in the book of Revelation. In other words, if you go from, this is chapter 13. If you go backwards or you go forward, it does not mention this beast. It only mentions him in chapter 13. And the only way that we can discover who this beast is, is find it in some other place in the Bible. Find it where? Some other place in the Bible. And there's a companion book in the Old Testament called Daniel. What is it called? Daniel. So we must then go to Daniel because it is in Daniel that it reveals there the beast that John is speaking about. Now, the first beast there in Daniel chapter 7 is a lion with wings. The second beast is uh, a bear. It comes up, uh, up and rises up on one side, has three ribs in his mouth. The third beast is a Four-headed leopard with four wings. Daniel chapter 7, verse 6. So you have a lion, you have a bear, and you have a leopard. So tell me, in John's vision, what were the three animals mentioned? A lion, a bear, and a leopard. Now you may ask the question, why are they separate in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament? It's simple it it simply describes the reality that these three beasts of the old testament became one beast in the new testament and just so that you understand what happens these particular beasts are actually represent kingdoms represent what kingdoms in verse 7 of chapter 7 it says after this i saw the night visions and behold a fourth beast dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly it had great iron teeth and devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and it was diverse of all the beasts that were before it and it had ten horns now remember how many horns did the beast in Revelation have ten horns okay so notice it says this this beast is diverse from others Daniel could not describe that beast he could describe the first beast, a lion with wings. and describe the second beast, a bear. The third beast, a leopard. The last one, how do you describe what he saw? He couldn't. So he just says that the beast was what? Diverse. It is only that, that uh, John in Revelation that tells us that the, this beast has the mouth of a, of a lion, the body of a leopard, and the feet of a bear. In other words, it's combined into one. But again, it doesn't tell you what it is. The only beast I know on planet Earth that actually is part from other, it looks like it's part of this and part of that, is a platypus. How many of you have seen a platypus? Any of you? How big is a platypus? How big is it? Have you seen a real platypus? Any of you have seen a real platypus? I've actually seen a real platypus. And the, the body is about this long, and the tail is about this long. And the whole thing is about this big. All right? And it has the mouth of a duck, it has a tail of a beaver, and it has a body of some mammal. So it is an unusual creature. But at least that one has a name, platypus. This one has no name. All right? It just simply tells you that. That there are these kingdoms that finally become one kingdom. And the reason for that is in the Old Testament, there were kingdoms who who conquered other kingdoms, and they actually took either ideologies or practices from the kingdoms that they conquered. Many of them uh, always loved to take the gods of the other kingdoms that they conquered. All right, so... In verse 8, it said, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, his horn, uh, this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. You remember Revelation? Great things, speaking great things, speaking blasphemy. Remember that? All right. So, we know then we're talking about the two things. What do they represent? Verse 17 says, These great beasts, which are four, are four kings. Or kingdoms that shall arise out of the earth. Now, here they are. The first king uh, animal was the kingdom of Babylon. It uh, also was represented by the head of gold in chapter 2 of Daniel. The next kingdom was actually uh, the meat of Persians. But in the uh, Pergamon Museum in Berlin, you can actually go there. How many of you have been to Berlin? Any of you? you never been one, one hand back there. Another hand back there. Have you been to the Pergamon Museum, Sam? Never. Okay. in that particular museum, this was something that Hitler took from Iraq. He went to Babylon and he and they actually brought parts of a, of Babylon back to Germany and this one was taken from Babylon. If you notice this one, it has uh, the head of a man. It has wings like an eagle. It has the body of a lion. And so, this was actually what they used to represent the kingdom of Babylon. Just like today, America is represented by what? By the eagle. And by the way, the buffalo has just been recognized as also representing America. Did you know that? Just Google it and you'll see what I'm talking about. So, Babylon. Babylon. The meats and the Persians then conquered Babylon and uh representing the chest and arms of the uh image. Then it says the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. So what happens then is you have Babylon, meets and the Persians, you have the, the the Greeks, and then the fourth kingdom was actually Rome. Rome was the the iron kingdom. That's why it says it had iron feet and it broke to pieces. Alright? Then it says that out of or from among these ten horns came up another little horn that removed three. And simply the horns represented the, the power that the kingdoms had. So what happened was when Rome divided, Rome was not conquered, it actually fell apart into pieces. Uh, When Rome divided, it divided into ten kingdoms. Then from those ten divisions, another little horn came up and removed three of those kingdoms, and now you had seven heads. How many? So how many heads do you find in the book of Revelation, chapter 13? You find seven heads. But it says it has ten horns. The reason for the ten horns is that the seven heads re- retain the power of the ten. So that's why it shows it with ten horns, but only seven heads. All right. Now, uh, how, how many of you have been to Nuremberg? Any of you? Only one hand to Nuremberg. Uh, this is a picture of Nuremberg. And right there in front of you is the, called the Rathaus. House or uh, the city hall when i first heard of the word rat i thought why would they call a a building a rat r-h-e then i found out that it was not rat but anyway this is the city hall now what's interesting about the city hall you see right there okay you see that it has doors three doors what's interesting is that most people who walk by this place today have not the foggiest idea what the three th- things up on the doors are here's a closer picture that I took and I want you to see again the three doors you see that one two three and over each door there are images there are what images now this building was built in 1613 and finally ended completion in 1619 and it's still standing after the war now what's interesting about the, the particular, architecture and design above the doors is that the Reformation movement, because the Reformation movement began about mid 1400s and it extended into the 1600s, which was very strong by then. Now what happened was that the Protestants who built this building wanted to make sure that everybody understood what the images of Daniel really represented. And so here's what they did. The first one is a Babylonian headdress. Okay. And behind the Babylonian. Is a what? A lion with what? With wings. Then the next one. Is a bear. And there's a Persian headdress. Representing the Persian Empire. Then. they, uh, The next door. Has a Grecian headdress. And a four headed Leopard behind. Then the next one has a Roman headdress. And what should it have behind it? It should have the indescribable beast. And here it is. Okay. But I want you to notice it has what? It has horns on top of it. Now there's something right in the middle of the horn. Can you see that? And here it is. There is the little horn. It's actually the head of a priest. Of what? Of a priest. Now I can tell you that I did not make these pictures up. You can go to Nuremberg and you can actually walk in front of it. As I said today, most people have no idea that right before them is an, ex- an explanation of what those beasts in Daniel chapter 7 represented. They understood it, they knew it, and they taught it. But most Christians have neither heard or have forgotten what those beasts represented. Is that true? And yet God revealed it as a warning as to what would happen from the time of Daniel all the way through the time of Revelation and all the way to our time. A warning that there would be an attempt to substitute God. That man would make an effort to replace God by replacing God's teachings. And that's why Paul is mentioning another gospel. And it's sad because what's happening is, and what has happened is that there have been created so many different Gospels that are given to the people and it makes them, quote, drunk. In other words, they are not able to understand and judge what is truth. And they accept these teachings as truth. And that's why the Bible calls it antichrist Teachings that replace the teachings of Christ And by using the name of Christ, lead people to believe that this is what Christ teaches. When in reality, the Bible does not support many of these, what we call doctrines. But you would not know it unless you study the scriptures. You understand what I'm saying? So, the division of Rome took place and was divided into what we know today as the European nations. Of course, the lines have changed and shifted, etc., through the years. But at one time, Rome actually encompassed all this district and all the way up to Norway and England and Poland, etc. Rome was in all those places. And still today, you can go to those countries all the way up to Norway and you'll find remnants of the Roman Empire. You go to England, you find remnants of the Roman Empire. You go to Spain, Portugal, you'll find remnants of the Roman Empire. Rome actually had, had conquered the whole European continent. And when Rome fell, it divided into these different powers and called kingdoms. But what happened was that, that a time came in the divided nations of Europe that another power came up, which was different. That's why it says it was diverse from the others. And was able to succeed with the seven to get rid of the three. And when it got rid of the three, it maintained or retained the power of the ten under seven heads. And the beast leading it. So, who is the little horn then? Well, what we need to do then is consider several things. I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. So obviously it's speaking about some uh, man that comes up um, and uh, seeks to take control with these kingdoms. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So, under the name of Christ, this power that, that came up from among the European nations, actually used in the name of Christ, went to destroy others who would not submit to the doctrines of this particular faith. In fact, when you leave tonight, you should receive a sheet of paper giving you a list of false teachings that have come into the Christian church and their years through the centuries. How many of you would like to get a copy of that? Okay, don't forget to pick it up. You'll have the what was introduced into Christianity and the time of the year that it was introduced. And most people don't know that. Because what happens is that when we grow up in a home, we only are taught what mom and dad understand or don't understand. Is that true? And it's not criticizing mom and dad, because mom and dad got it from their parents. And they got it from their parents. And so you have practices that have been established for, for centuries and centuries and centuries, passed down by word of mouth and practice. And nobody ever questions it because who would dare to question what mom does? You know, (laughs) hey, mom taught it and don't touch that. So, this horn made war. And it says he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. So, here is how it accomplishes its conquering people. By taking God's laws and changing them. And what? Changing them. So by changing God's law, using God's name, people assume that they're following God when what they're doing is following the dictates of man. And that's why Jesus said, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of man. And I hope that as I use these statements, that all of a sudden you begin to connect the dots. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because many of us sometimes see these passages and don't connect them. What do they really mean? But we can see now, again here, speaking about the time period, time and times and dividing of times. Here also, in Revelation, notice the same thing. A time and times and what? And half a time. Is that the same? Well, it is. Notice again, let's go... uh, in Daniel 7, it says, and shall be given into his hands until a time and times and dividing of time. The word dividing simply means half a time. And going to Revelation, it says, at time and times and half a time. And then in chapter 12 again, verse 6, it says that that time represents 2,300 and three score days. In other words, a time represents a year. Times represents two years. Half a time represents half a year. And the Hebrew calendar only has 30 days per month. How much? 30 days per month. All you have to do is take a year, 12, and multiply it by by what? 30 days per month. And if you do your calculation, you'll come up to uh, 1,260 days. Three score. Score is 20. So you multiply 20 by 3, you get 60. Now... In Bible prophecy, one prophetic day equals what? One literal year. Both in Ezekiel and in in Numbers chapter 14 verse 34. So going on from there then, the Bible says that this power would rule for 1260 years. How long? So that could not mean just one individual. Because the person that lived the longest was Methuselah and he only lived 969 years. I say only. Would to God that we can live half of that. What do you say? All right. But this power would rule for how long? 1,260 years. So this could not be a, a person. It has to be an institution. A what? An institution. Or a kingdom or power. It would persecute the saints. And then it says one of its heads was wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. So... There are several things that the Bible reveals as identifying marks and sending this thing called the Antichrist. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. In other words, this power would be a persecuting power for 1260 years. And its main persecution was against those who follow God. And it's amazing that the institution claimed to be God's in God's stead, persecuting those who were not following God according to what they had established, and therefore they would persecute them, slaughter them, and kill them. Alright, so it would receive worship, so it could not be just a political power, it had to be a religious power. Hey, what? Religious power. It tries to change the times and laws, and tell me something. What law in God's Ten commandments speaks about time. Which one? Which one, Ted? I know it's the Sabbath day, but what commandment? Is it the fifth? Is it the two? It's the fourth. Okay, Which one? The fourth commandment. I've discovered, by the way, that many, many Christians, if you say, where are the Ten Commandments? They don't know. Because the Ten Commandments as written fully are found in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 20. I had a lady one time in the audience come to me, she said, Pastor, you know, after you said that, I was so embarrassed. Please tell me where it is. So after that, I always say it's Exodus chapter 20. All right? Tries to change the times and the laws. So you have to then think, okay, this power that would rule for 1260 years in Europe, Where? in Europe, who rose up out of the divided nations of Europe and got rid of three would be a religious entity that would rule the European nations and would then try to change the times and the laws and in the process persecute people who did not follow the changes that they instituted. And so, speaks great words and blasphemy. Let's look at the uh, What blasphemy is. Blasphemy is actually taking the prerogatives of God. Taking the what? In other words, when Jesus uh, said that he could forgive sins, what was their response? Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but who? God only. In other words, If a man says to you that he can forgive your sins, that man is speaking what? Blasphemy. He has taken upon himself the prerogatives of God. For God only can truly forgive our sins. We can offend somebody, and that we can go to them and ask them to forgive us, and they can say, I forgive you. But the the final, ultimate forgiveness must come from God. Okay. So... The Jews answered him and saying, For good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself what? God. In other words, if you're not God, don't claim that you're God, because if you do, you are speaking blasphemy. And that's why God is warning about a system that seeks to take the place of God on earth. Leading people to think that they are following God when, in reality, they're establishing themselves as the one receiving worship. So, this particular beast is also called a woman. A what? A woman. And the Bible reveals that a woman is a symbol used for a church. Is it said about Jesus? That Christ gave himself for his church. For his what? For his church. And so his church was his wife or his wife was a church. The woman then represents the church. And then it says that the woman is a what? It's a city. It's a what? It's a city. And so it's a church that is a a city. And then it says that this city sits on what? On seven mountains. So it's a European city that sits on seven mountains. That's a church that ruled for 1260 years. That persecuted the saints. That sought to change the laws of God. Now. The beast has a what? A number. And we'll have to study the number 666 later on. But let's just do a quick review. The little horn rises out of what? The ten divisions of Rome. So, the Antichrist then was a power that actually started, as John said, it already is now, that actually started during the apostolic period of Earth's history. And that particular power continued to grow until it actually became dominant in Europe. It plucked three kings up. What happened was that there were three Aryan uh, countries. That is, that they did not not believe in what is called the Trinity. Okay? And so, at this time then, this power, by the encouragement of the Franks, which were the French, got the seven together and went and attacked the three Aryan powers and destroyed them. And by doing that then, they then took control, the seven took control of the territory of the ten. And that happened. Okay, then it says that it would rule the European nations. It would reign for 1260 years. It was diverse in that it was not like just a a political power. It was a political, religious institution. And the man was at the head of it and they spake blasphemy. In other words, they Declared that they had the prerogatives of God on earth. And number 88, pardon me, persecuting power. It actually persecuted throughout the, the, that time. And began to change God's laws. If you actually take uh, the Ten Commandments of today, that most people know, and you compare them with the Ten Commandments of the Bible, you'll find that they're different. For example... If I were to ask, any of you here who are former Catholics or Catholics? All right, there's one back over there and one over here. Okay, if I were to ask you, what is the Catholic Second Commandment? Do you remember? She's trying to remember. All right, the Second Commandment of the Catholic Church is... They take the third commandment and make it the second. The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But they made it the second because the second was removed. The reason for removing the second is simply that it says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of any likeness in heaven above and the earth beneath and the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to them nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God; I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity unto the third and fourth of, of, of the fathers, unto the third and fourth of the uh, of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands that love me and keep my commandments. And so the Scripture then has a commandment that was registered there on purpose, and that commandment is completely removed. So all Catholics, unless they read the Bible, think that the second commandment. Is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Because the second commandment. Completely removed. Now some of you are looking at me. Kind of. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Serious as a heart attack. Right. Now listen. He receives a deadly wound. Makes the world drunk with a wine. uh, Which is false doctrines. The wound is healed. And it has a number and a mark. So, verse 14, it is a woman. It sits on several mountains. It is called Babylon the Great. has a number and mark. And God calls his people out of her. Now, in order to explain it so that you can get a sense of why God, in chapter 14 of Revelation, Puts forth such a strong denunciation and says, Whosoever worships the beast or his image shall be tormented with fire. Do you remember that? Okay. Some people, when they read that, see God as a tyrant, that he would burn people up. The reality is that that particular passage of scripture is an appeal. A what? An appeal. And the appeal is an appeal of love. But sometimes when we read the scriptures and we read things like that, we don't see it as an appeal of love. We see it as, you better get your act together or I'm going to beat you up. And I remember as a child being told, in fact, I was so afraid of lightning because it was God who was upset with us. So every time there was lightning, lightning. I hid because I thought this God was really a mad God and you didn't want to get struck with lightning. But I found out later that my God was not a God of vengeance but a God of love. And the best way to explain it to you is this way. In New York City, we were living on a a street called Strauss Street. Now, my sister-in-law and her parents moved to Stroud Street and moved to the building next to our building. And so somehow she and my brother got together and have been together for how many years? Fifty-eight. Years. You see how he wasn't quiet about that, was he? Fifty-eight years, he said. All right. So uh, the building that we lived in was a five-story building. And most of the time we had to play in the street or inside the building we couldn't play much in the backyard because there was not much to do back there so one time uh oh and the buildings were connected one to another and between the building there was a space all right so there was a little staircase that you went down and go, went into the court and went into the next staircase and got into the other building and those of, that are you from europe Uh, Most of you have lived in buildings like that. So, uh, one day, I came out with my buddies into that court area, and we discovered that somebody had thrown out mattresses. They were supposed to get rid of them and pay to get rid of them, but it was easier to just drop them in that place. Well, we found these mattresses, and immediately, our minds went to a trampoline. So we piled them up upon each other and began to jump up and down. And we jumped and jumped and jumped and finally got tired of jumping because we couldn't jump any higher. So then we thought, how can we jump higher? And we saw the second story window. So what do you think we did? We pushed the mattresses against the building, close to that window, and went up the steps and now it was, I go first, I go first. No, I go first, I go first. And we jumped in and bounced off that mattress. And the next one jumped off that mattress. And we kept on having a great time jumping out of the window onto that, those mattresses. And then it got boring. Got what? So what do you suppose we did? We went up to the higher window, third story. But now it was not you go first, uh, Now not I go first, now it was you go first, you go first. Because when you look from up above, it looked really, really scary down. When you look from down up, it doesn't look that high. But when you're up there, it looks pretty high. So no, you go first, you go first, you go first. And I was supposed to be the little tough guy who was afraid of nothing. So uh, for fearing that I may show that I was a coward, I decided i go first. So I got on the window ledge and I uh, was ready to plunge, but I was hoping somehow that God would deliver me if there was a God. You understand what I'm saying? And so I'm there nervous and they say, okay, go, okay, go. And I was <laughs> and finally there was steps coming up from behind me and I turned around to see who was coming up and who do you think it was? It was my mother. And she saw me there, and you know what she said? Isn't that sweet? He's having such a great time. You think that's what she said? No, what do you think she said? She, the first word that came out of her mouth was, sinvergüenza, which simply means, you shameless one. Get off that ledge. If you don't get off that ledge, I'm going to break your head. Terrible language, isn't it? She hated me, didn't she? Did she hate me? No, that was an appeal from a mother who was gravely concerned about her kid who didn't understand the peril he was in. Revelation chapter 14. It's an appeal by a loving God who is trying to reach a world that is about to plunge into its death. They have been influenced by the beast. They have been led to believe that what they're following is of the Lord. They have been made drunk with the wine of Babylon. And God, in order to get their attention, can do nothing less than describe the consequences if you don't get off that ledge. Friends, the Lord loves you. The Lord wants to save you. He gave you the word. In the Bible, you can find salvation. But if you do not pay attention, you are looking for the results of not heeding the warning. And so, tonight, I will appeal to you. Consider that you, perhaps, may have been taking medicine, spiritual medicine, that will bring spiritual death to you. God wants you to take the right medicine the gospel in the scriptures that he has provided for you to save you but you and I must take it more seriously what do you say it does matter what you believe did you hear what I said it does matter what you believe God did not go through the expense of great sacrifices and people losing their lives to preserve, to preserve the Bible So that it would just lay on some shelf God did it to reveal to you the dangers that are lurking about The deceptions that the enemy has introduced And the truth that would set you free But you must be willing to follow the truth as it is in Christ What do you say? Let's pray O oh, Father in heaven we ask forgiveness when we have not taken seriously the dangers that are lurking spiritually the doctrines that have brought about drunkenness spiritually speaking but it is our desire to know the truth because you have promised it would set us free so help us to see a loving God who is anxious to get his children's attention to turn from their ways to that path that leads to salvation help us to walk in it we pray in jesus name
1: प्रभु रीचा नुशारे हम ओ प्रभु हमके चालो ना दम प्रभु आमी एगी प्रभु रिचानुशारे हाँ ओ प्रभु अमा के चालो ना दा तोमारी আমি आमी शेथा ते चाए तोमार Tu mika scoro, tu marajo, tu malicha nu share. tha tha te chai tumar chalo na avi baat tha chai durbala mardara tumi karo tumar acho मी शेठा था थकते चाय तुम्हारे चालों ना नुशारे अभी बात हो to तुम्हीं काज Chalo na da.